Hello, welcome to the Cottesloe Theatre. My name is Dan Rebellato, and uh, we're here to talk about the National Theatre's new music <gasps> theatre production, London Road. And I'm very pleased to have the writer, Aleki Blythe, the composer, Adam Cork, and uh, the director, Rufus Norris, to, here to talk about it. So I'm going to ask some questions for about 25 minutes, something like that, and then I'm going to hand over to you for your much better, well-informed questions. <laughs> um, so, Aleki, can I start with you? Yes. Um, London Road's <coughs> source material is a series of interviews that you did uh, in Ipswich in the kind of immediate aftermath of the famous brutal series of murders that happened right, in yes. December 2006. Can you just start by saying something about what kind of drew you there and what you thought you were going to be doing with <laughs> this material that you generated? Um, well, I actually set off, I was making a play, um, I was researching a play for the Royal Court at the time called The Girlfriend Experience, and that was all set in um, a working girl's brothel. Um, and at the time of the murders, the girls who were working there were saying, oh, it's kind of a bit quiet, because, of course, every punter was a potential suspect, um, and so um, business was quiet. And uh, even though what was happening in Ipswich was a different... It was dealing with a different level of prostitution. Um, you know, the girls were all dependent on drugs, and the, piece, the other piece I was doing was a slightly different um, niche market of slightly more independent women who weren't drug-dependent. Um, I just couldn't help myself go down and see whether there was anything that I could glean from what was happening in Ipswich to add into that piece. Uh So that's sort of why I went. And also, you know, I was just sort of drawn to it. It was compelling. Um, And so I went, um, five bodies had been found, but no arrests had been made. So Mm. I sort of first got to Ipswich, if you like, when um, it was in the height of its fear. And when I got there, I sort of realised, no, this is nothing to do with the other play, but I'm getting some really interesting material because people are in a, you know, extraordinary situation, Um, queuing up for rape alarms, Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. And so I just collected it and sort of got it in the can, if you like. Right. And, uh, I mean, this represents something of a a departure, I suppose, from some of the techniques you've used Mm -hmm. before, but what is consistent is is the the use of what they call verbatim, which means... (coughs) a minutely observed um, sort of reproduction of ordinary speech patterns. Do, yes. Could you just say something actually about the kind of work you did before yes. this? And then we'll talk about actually how this is different. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a technique that I learned from Mark Wing Davey um, when he was running the Actor Centre. Um, and uh, he himself had learned it from Anna Devere Smith, who's an American actress. Um, and um, it basically it's to go out and do interviews with people um, just audio, um, which uh, are then edited. And then in the past, uh, in performance um, and in rehearsals, the actors wear earphones and they copy the exact, um, not just what's said, but how it's said, with every um, ah, uh, stutter, um, you know, every kind of non sequitur, all that detail is retained. And they sort of speak about two seconds after the voice they hear through the earphones, sort of thing. Um, and for this piece, though, it's been, a, it's been a departure. The first time I've actually worked with the actors, I've actually learnt it from, right. from the tapes. OK, well, that's good. That takes <laughs> us on to the, <laughs> the next process, right? Because uh, I suppose it, it was about six months after that, uh, you two were thrown together uh, at the National Theatre Studio, which is the kind of National Theatre's sort of research and development kind of wing. Um, uh, could you say something, Adam, about how, what your immediate response was to 
to that kind of shotgun wedding and, uh, <laughs> and where you kind of took it from there. Well, it was quite interesting because there were, there were actually three composers and three playwrights um, taking part in that week. So we were, there was quite a spirit of camaraderie, really. We were all in the same boat together. Right. And um, we were uh, presenting our, our work that we'd done during the course of the week, uh, at the end of the week on the Friday, to each other and also to the National. Um, and I suppose when I first met Alaki and she told me she was a verbatim playwright, um, I said, what? <laughs> and she explained everything that she's basically just explained to us uh, ab about her methods and her way of working in documentary theatre. And I thought, gosh, this is, this is going to be, um, this is going to be a real challenge. Um, and at first I felt a little bit overwhelmed by the prospect of just listening to unversified, spontaneous speech and, and turning it into music. But then I kind of, I thought back to experiences I'd had writing some you know, quite difficult, versified, but with inconsistent line lengths and no rhyme and that sort of thing. Translations of the Caucasian chalk circle and things like that. <coughs> and I thought, actually, what resulted from that was really interesting because I was forced to use my whole imagination to come up with something that would work musically. Um, and obviously, it's never going to work in a musically obvious way, but actually, that adds a, a spice. Um, and... I, I took it from there, really, and we, we experimented a lot in that first week um, and subsequently had about three other <coughs> weeks, didn't we, um, and really refined our, our way of tackling it. And how, how quickly... Um, no, let me ask it the other way around. I mean, what's very striking about the show is actually the, the verbatim material does kind of resolve itself into songs, actually. Um, and I suppose I, I was watching it and thinking it, it would have been perfectly possible to do a sort of recitative thing where you would just in a sense unmelodically <coughs> score that naturalistic speech but in fact you you did make the decision that certain phrases certain sequences become kind of choruses and other mm. things become verses yeah. and mm. so it takes song form workshop three was actually my, right. my attempt at that version which in right. which there was sort of very little repetition and i thought i'd approach it in a real stream of consciousness way and just set the material as it presented itself without imposing any repetition. Mm -hmm. um, and <coughs> also really restricting myself in terms of, you know, not allowing myself to change the notes that were actually sung by the speaker, which is something that I have allowed myself to do since, um, mm. just because it gave me more control over where I wanted to take the song. Mm. Do you mean the sort of the <coughs> natural tune of the voice? Absolutely. Oh, right, Absolutely. Uh, one, one thing I've sort of stuck to fairly relig religiously is the rhythm of what's being spoken. Mm -hmm. So if I were to take the line, the rhythm of what's being spoken, I wouldn't alter that. I would just notate that, and you couldn't stray from that. But what I would retain is the, the up and the down. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't set the up and the down the up and the down as the up and the down, because right. it was... But I, I might change the notes. There are two notes within the word down. Down. I might change those notes to fit the harmonic material that, for me, made sense in the, within the context of the song that I was right. trying to write. It's great. It's working in those sort of verbatim area. You get so conscious of all of your <coughs> stutters and repetitions and intonations. I mean, presumably you, you work together in forming the material into, into the song structures as well as organising Yeah, them. I mean, structurally, it sort of... I mean, we sort of went through various different ways of, of working, but when it came to sort of structuring the whole peak... Because when we first started, we just kind of go, oh, this, this might make a good song, <laughs> sort of thing. And it was sort of a bit random, really. Right. And it was just a kind of impulsive, yeah, I think, we don't know why, but this might mm. work. Mm. And then when, um, well, then when it sort of became commission and we were sort of like working towards a sort of greater thing, um, I sort of felt I needed some kind of control, you know, to have some kind of control over the sort of shape 
um, and to know, okay, that bit I think maybe should be spoken because there are some facts in there which maybe are quite important and maybe right. this, and then we'd discuss, you know, I'd say, oh, I've got this interview, that interview, did whatever, mm -hmm. and say, oh, that might make a good song and did da, da, da right. whatever. And also you really and nailed down the shape of the whole thing, I think, by the end of 2009, and it was, which was brilliant actually because then we were able to yeah, then look we at the whole thing and say, okay, that song comes there and it's after that and it's before that, therefore it, yeah. it might be good if it had this kind of feel. And yeah, all, exactly. All so we sort of knew the emotional things. journey maybe of the, right. of the piece. Um, and for me it was quite you know, it was a real development to be able to kind of write songs and kind of go, okay, so I, I sort of could push the material further than I've been able to before by mm. going, oh, what about if we repeat, it could be him? Because to me, that was a phrase I heard a lot, maybe not just from the girls in the coffee shop, but yeah. other people too. So by, by kind of layering that and making it a chorus, right. it, I could almost you know, just may make people say what I, not, what, I wasn't putting words into their mouths, no. but I felt I could make points clearer than mm. I've been able to in other projects. Right. Because you think, oh, they had just, I know what they're saying, but they don't quite say it clearly. clearly. Right. But by repeating it, the moment becomes, Absolutely. it lands better. And to, and to pick up that particular kind of song example, I mean, it was, it's very striking. It's, um, I imagine that quite a lot of you may be seeing it tonight, so we won't give too much away. Uh, <coughs> but, uh, but there is a song which is sort of about the kind of, let's lazily call it, the sort of paranoia or the suspicion, um, in which the, the phrase, I think, is you automatically think it could be him. Um, and it was interesting kind of because the, the repetition of that, it seemed to me as you were watching it, began to tell you something that was not just about a single person saying something. It was about a, the atmosphere of whole... Yeah. Area. yeah, exactly. That's sort right. of what I was sort of trying to do because that was the feeling that I got and right. I caught it. Right. You know, the fear was contagious. You know, yeah. I'd be walking around Ipswich thinking, oh, it could be him. Right. You know, everyone was a sort of potential, yeah. um, potential suspect. So that was very kind of exciting to me mm. that right. songs, you know, you could take things a bit further and make the point clearer. And, and also, I suppose, it, 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 I feel in the production, and this happens quite, quite a lot with some of those songs, is actually the, the effect of the repetition starts making, uh, it also seem kind of metaphorical is maybe too strong, but there's a sort of sense that actually there's something larger about the way that an event like the things that happened in Ipswich can kind of reveal the fault lines in any mm. community mm. or between men and women or, or something like that. Was, mm. was that something you just mm. discovered mm. from the effect of putting music to words, that mm. somehow it had that? Well, it's certainly something that was always there as something that we knew we could achieve with this material, mm. um, uh, to treat it in that way. And it's not just the repetition either, I think, that does that. It's whether you treat phrases uh, as in solo lines or as duets or as trios yeah. or as choruses. And obviously with the full chorus mm -hmm. repetition of something, it has a lot more weight than it does with just one individual saying it, even if mm. they repeat it. Right. Um, and you know, in a very short space of time, you can say this is an important thing for a whole community, yeah. um, mm. quite simply and economically. And when we first met, I actually took, there was two lots of, I had some other material too um, at this initial workshop. Um, which was on um, bullying in schools, and it was the Ipswich material. Ne never thinking that actually either we'd necessarily end up working on. It would just be right, sort right. of like, you know, plasticine to work with, and then we'd yeah. come up with an idea to obviously make something else. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the sort of the Ipswich stuff, often because it had, you had shared sentiments of men being chivalrous, women being yeah. scared, yes, and right. the music 
work to sort of bind those emotions together, didn't mm. it? That's what we found mm. sort of quite early on. So that was right. a sort of quite early discovery. That was <laughs> That's great. Um, Rufus, can I turn, turn to you uh, finally? Um, at, at what stage in this... I mean, it's been a four-year, almost four-year development process. <coughs> what stage did you get involved? And what kind of interested you in this material? Um, I, I'm very late is the simple answer. They'd, they pretty much worked it out. And uh, there was one more shotgun wedding, which was ours. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, so just in the, in the hugely fortunate position of, of them having got that far without having an available director attached... Um, which is a very rare thing. Um, and, yeah, so I guess it was, it was probably nine months ago, and, you know, we, we talked into stuff. It was pretty well all there. Mm -hmm. I, I just gave a couple of opinions here and there, and um, we, did a, we did a day or two at the studio. We had a bit just, of a workshop, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was really just for me to get a feel of right. the material. And what um, was it that kind of excited you about this kind of project? Well, what's really exciting about it is that it's, is that it's quite groundbreaking in both form and content, I think the way that you know both of the techniques that are that, that are being employed um, are very new, certainly very new to me, and and the synthesis of them is an incredibly exciting idea. Mm. It's also a terrible idea. It depends entirely on how it's done, and it was very you know I was intrigued, and um, and I obviously knew of Adam's work as a sound designer more than a composer and Alanky's work, but but um, yeah, it didn't take me very long right. in terms of list you know re read. It took me very long to read through. You can't just... Alec, he was like, well, you can't just read it. You have to listen and read and preferably not read. But, you know... <laughs> so it took me about five hours, I think, to actually get through it because right. the songs weren't quite enough. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it was very, very apparent that, mm -hmm. that it had something really, really unusual and, and, uh, and quite exciting about it. I mean, I'm glad you said it, it could have been a terrible idea because I think when I first read, I think, probably in the National Theatre brochure, a description of what the show would be like. There was a little bit of me going, this sounds like this could be a really hideous yeah. idea yeah. for a show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that must have been, that must have been a thought in your... That must have been a, a nervous thought in all three of your minds. Are we just sleepwalking into a sort of famous disaster? I, I, I don't think that's true. I, I, I think there was a very different fear. Right. Which was, is it possible to learn that music? Oh, right. Okay. <gasps> Frankly, I think, I think honestly, that's what, I th and there they all are, they all tell you, um, <laughs> that that was, right. I think that was really what everybody didn't know. Is it, oh, is it oh. actually possible oh, to be right. as quite as clever as Adam Cork? And in fact, the, <laughs> well, you know, there, there are these amazing CDs which will eventually be, I'm sure, mass marketed. No, no. Where, where Buried Adam, in a time where Adam capsule. sings every single line that's sung on the stage perfectly. Very, very. Uh, With the benefit of 20 takes on each one. Yeah, yeah still quite, um, I think, quite threatening as a doctor <laughs> for the actors coming into it. But it did mean that, you know, the, the audio, which is, very, which is also very tricky and yeah. being learned for the first time. Mm. Alec has been incredibly patient <laughs> yeah. for that. Too. I mean, I, yeah, I, was, I was, you know, thinking, can we find people who will, who will learn it? And we have, and, and, and oh. then some in our cast. Um, oh. uh, and so, I, I mean, yeah, I made those demos, but that was just to demonstrate what I wanted the songs to sound like, really, just so that everyone right. would have an idea. Um, but when you say, were we daunted, uh, you know, were we stumbling into something um, that would be a disaster, it depends on whether you mean the subject matter or the, or the, or the method, really, because 
Those are two things. And I f personally, the, the attraction for me was in this, you know, to, to try and create a, a new way of writing songs. Right. Um, oh, kind of regardless of the subject matter, which is not to say that we ignore the subject matter no, uh, at all, because, it's, you know, that's very important. And um, I'll come on to that yeah. in a second. I mean, uh, Rufus, you said, uh, which I think is very interesting, that actually it was, it's that mixture of form and content. I suppose thinking about the content for, for a moment, um, I mean, do you think it's... I mean, it, clearly, it's a sort of show that says something about theatre and uh, the ways in which you can represent the world and so on. But do you think it kind of says something broader about the nature of community, as I say, the kind of fault lines we were talking about before? I mean, do you think... Is that something that attracted you to it as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's... It, yes, I think it's quite a political piece. Right. Actually, in a, with a small p and in a very kind of bit... In terms of the state of our community or lack of it now and and uh, you know this this country is is now i think it is it's quite it's a very fascinating microcosm mm -hmm. um, of a group of people who are put under pressure from an outside situation that is you know and you can go well it's it, what's it to do with it's to do with the fact that the police you know the, the our government can't come up with a coherent policy because the media won't allow that to happen so that these the, the, the in this case, the prostitute situation, though you could substitute it for a number of other things, mm -hmm. is pushed around, and there are people in in communities that are that are not um, well represented for whatever reason. Mm. You end up having mm. to deal with it, and, yeah. and that's I think that's probably, and then and then consequently have quite a, a wide range of opinions about it. Some yeah. of, some of which aren't entirely savoury, and uh, but yeah. So I think it is. I think it's very. Very interesting from that perspective. That's something I was going to say. I mean, it's not, um, it's in no sense a kind of prettified portrait. I mean, it's, I don't think, it's not a sort of lampooning, unflattering portrait, but it's certainly not varnished and made nice. And there is yeah. an extraordinary moment very late on where one of the residents very hesitatingly and confused, but admits that they're rather glad that the prostitutes have gone and they of the phrases, I'd like to shake him by the hand, mm, mm. referring to the, mm, to the killer. Mm. And it's, it's kind of, an, and, and you, you felt when I saw it, the entire audience, kind of this chill goes mm, through them. Mm. And it's a very kind of brave moment because you've, kind of, mm. you've got to kind of love these people mm. over the course of... Yes, and I think hopefully by that point you do love them. Mm. Um, and so that's why it's slightly uncomfortable because you sort of think, oh no, how do I thought you were, you know, I thought I got you. And then suddenly you're sort of taken somewhere else mm. with it. Um, but I think uh, hopefully um, by the t by you know you know enough about that woman at that point when she says that that even if you might not necessarily agree with what she says, mm. if you know you can see maybe where she's coming from and if you lived on that street and if you had to put up with that sort of prostitution mm -hmm. and you had kids, then you can sort of see where she's coming from. I think, right. and I, I you know I hope that um, I felt in order f you know for for that. Um, for us to be able to kind of put those in, I needed to set that up properly mm -hmm. so that it, so she wasn't just like a bigot. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. and you sort of go, I, I sort of, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I see where you're coming from. I, just, I mean, that, that points to the, the, the sort of ambivalence and ambiguity and complexity. It seems to be a kind of hallmark of the, the show. In, mm -hmm. in some ways, it's kind of quite, a, it's a simple show in some sense. It's very charming. It's about a very identifiable community, very clear period of time. But on the other hand, you're constantly kind of wrong-footed in mm. how far you, you, you're supposed to, you feel 
you're liking these people, how far you may be finding them amusing, and so on. And I wondered if that is, uh, that's a, a product of this, the, the formal device, which is obviously the adding the movement to verbatim. It, all right, this is, sorry, this is turning into a rather long question. I'll, I'll try and cut <laughs> it short. But you know there's that thing that painters often say that they will add paint to a canvas and then they take a step back and look and see what they've done. I kind of wondered if there's a sense that you both have that you still... I wonder how far you know what you've done. Do you, <laughs> um, do you feel you fully understand what this device is doing and what effects it, it has? Well, certainly in the process of composition, I was at, at great pains not to let any easy feeling continue for any length of time because right. it felt like that would be absolutely the wrong way to represent these real-life people in, in this very important situation. Um, so as I was working on the detail, I was aware that when I took the step back, that, that, that uh, approach would, ha would have had an effect. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you don't quite know until you do take the step back exactly what the big picture is. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I just felt that I wanted to make something that was, you know, that was honest. Um, and um, I think if it's going to be honest, you're going to have those complicated um, opinions uh, in there, you know, and almost yeah. to sort of take them out um, would be to misrepresent some of those characters, you know. So I did sort of go back and checked um, about the handshake comment or whatever to sort of check that was okay. And it was almost like, yes, I, I, I stand by it. It is, you know. Right. And for, if it wasn't in there, you wouldn't get the full picture of, of that woman. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, this obviously, this takes us into the kind of the, the, the ethical nature of doing a show like this because, um, you know, I think mainly before the show properly opened, there were some people who thought it sounded like a terrible, uh, you know, an ethically... Mm unpleasant idea to make a piece of entertainment out of a series of brutal killings. And, you know, it, to be fair, it is very entertaining. It's an often very funny show and so on. So I wonder if I can ask each of you just a question about the things I know you will have thought about, just about the kind of ethical responsibilities you feel you have. I mean, starting with you, mm. Alaki, the, mm. what responsibilities do, did you feel you had to the people you'd interviewed? And, and how has that kind of guided you through the process? I, I feel a huge responsibility to the people I interview always. Um, and this one, even uh, it's sort of by working with the music, um, I sort of was even more sort of aware of, oh, I'm really taking it on to another level now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if I hadn't been, um, had so much trust in, uh, in Adam's, um, you know, com com composing and the score being so authentic, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have carried on working with him. Do you know what I mean? Right. If I'd sort of thought, oh, no, I don't think this, is, this, isn't, this isn't a really very honest representation, but it was. Mm -hmm. And then also entrusting Rufus um, in his sort of wonderful inventive staging and some things, you know, not to give the game away, but, you know, there are, there are wonderful moments in the show which didn't necessarily mm -hmm. happen like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel that they're all rooted in a sort of uh, a truth. It's become a sort of theatrical right. um, device, but it's all sort of grounded in okay. the sort of uh, truth of the audio, and that's what we always kind of came back to in, the, um, in rehearsals all the time. So I can sort of... I'm sort of happy with that. Right. But it's something I sort of grappled with a lot and right. would often kind of say, oh, no, we can't push it that... You can only push the audio so far... Um, because it's so linked to, um, you know, when you interview somebody, 
possibly what they're doing. So you, you might not be able to take it completely out of context and all that kind oh. of thing. And that's what we sort of discovered. And, and have any of the residents of London Road been to see it? Yeah, a lot of them came last night. Right. Um, How did they react to their portraits on stage? They, they loved it. Uh, I'm relieved to say, thank <laughs> God. Uh, otherwise, that would have been a difficult question to answer. Um, <laughs> they, um, yeah, they, they were really moved. Um, I sat sort of um, in front of quite a few and next to quite a few. Um, and it was, it was really lovely to sort of see their reactions throughout. Um, and they met the actors afterwards, and that was sort of a really wonderful right. kind of magical moment wow. of, you know, actors and real-life people coming together. And, right. um, yeah, they, they're very happy with it. So, you know, <laughs> press night for me is always scary, but that's pretty scary think, too. Yeah, you know? and I think that was a real-life actor maybe laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, I mean, just... It's a difficult question exactly to phrase, but watching it, I, I kind of... I thought the music was always doing something very complex that I didn't feel I always understood in terms okay. of its emotional effect. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is sometimes the verbatim material, when it's sung, became funny in a way that I kind of thought, am I laughing at them or with them or sympathising? And sometimes I was doing all of those. But, I, but again, I suppose this comes back to the ethical thing. Were you, did you ever kind of think somehow the way I've set that... Uh, I now think they have become a figure of fun. Do you know what I mean? I do. Did that I, ever do. I mean, I, I'd be interested to know which bits you, you did find funny because obviously there are comic songs and there are songs which are serious. Right. Um, and yeah, during the writing, I did find myself, you know, the, the rhythms of the way people talk are so exciting that they can lead you in all sorts of directions and sometimes it's the wrong direction. And I went up loads of little cul-de-sacs and kind of found my way forward uh, by doing that, really. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, and I suppose the other thing is to say about that is that mu you know music is a very emotive um, art form, and it's very easy to press buttons emotionally with music. Um, and it seems to me that the complexity of w what we were trying to do here involved reading the emotions of a moment and the succession of, of, of moments within successive uh, of emotions within successive moments, and having a sort of kaleidoscopic. Um, reeling past of different emotional states, such as such right. as you get in you know real life <laughs> being. <Right. laughs> uh, so perhaps that's the perhaps that's the complexity you're responding to. But also, I think in terms of finding the repetition funny, which it sounds like you did, mm -hmm. I think it's important to distinguish between laughter, which is mockery. Yeah. Because uh, I hope that that wasn't the laughter that yeah. you were experiencing. But uh, there's also another form of laughter, which is a laughter of recognition. Yeah. And hopefully, what I wanted to do was to kind of expose the the guttural rhythms and the and the and the emotions that were contained within what was being expressed, and right. isolate them, and you know, almost objectify them, but hopefully in a compassionate way. Yeah. And the results I do think make you laugh sometimes because you go, yeah, well, yes, it is funny the way that is that is said, that turn of phrase. Um, it's as you said. So that there is a laughter recognition yeah. that because we I'm doing I'm doing that self conscious thing again because we always interrupt ourselves <laughs> and drift yeah. off it grammatically and those sorts of things. Yeah, and, al and also I think in, in, um, in English song, there, you know, there, there, there tends to be a sort of self-effacing quaintness sometimes. I right. wanted to get away from that and expose some of the, the power within the, the rhythms of in, you know, English people. Right. And, and this is going to be my last question. So to have your own questions forming in your mind. Uh, Rufus, in terms of then 
uh, organizing the rehearsal process, there is obviously, there's a question about a sort of tone of performance, uh, I think, and of singing. I mean, actually, how you sing these kind of things. Um, that, that is about how you avoid caricature, how you avoid taking it too far away from the kind of realism of the, or the reality of the, the recordings and so on. I mean, what were the kind of discoveries you made in this, in this process about how, how you can keep true to those experiences through this form? Well, I mean, it, it certainly helps in, the, in, both, <clears throat> in both fields of the, the, what we call in rehearsal the audio rather than the script. I mean, that says it all. We never call it the script. We always call it the audio. We're doing music or audio. And uh, an audio means you listen to it, and you've got it there, and it's there perfectly. There is no, there's no argument. If you start embellishing, that right. the, you, you've lost. And it. Uh, I mean, we were very, very blessed because we, because it became apparent uh, very quickly that the cast were going to police themselves and each other incredibly rigorously mm. um, on all on all counts. Right. <clears throat> In fact, they did an amazing thing, which. Really unbelievable thing. I don't know if any of them are still there, but they did, they uh, did they they invented something called the anti-piping rule. Um, several a, a couple of weeks before I realised they'd done it, and you'd have a note session, and you'd go, um, you know, you di you did this bit wrong, and, and you know, normally when you give a note to an actor, they'll 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 give you a reason why it happened, or they'll you know, or they'll say actually that's because technically the sofa wasn't in the right place, or whatever it is. All of which could, if you're strict, be uh, be classified as piping up, and and <laughs> they all decided that if they did their usual actors thing of piping or talking or you know right. uh, avoiding doing the the excruciatingly painful thing of making an idiot of yourself in front of your colleagues all day long, which is what they do in rehearsal. Um, uh, anyway, they they decided among themselves that, they, that if they did that, they would never get on top of this incredibly difficult material, and they and they just stopped. And I think that... Um, well, they didn't stop when they find each other. Well, they find... Yeah, they find, no, it's worse. Than, yeah, more, more extreme than that. Um, so that's the kind of... In, in a way, that was the... You know, yes, it's very, very... It, it's, it's very easy for, for any imaginative artist and an actor in this situation to go, well, I've got ownership of it now. I'll just enjoy that, particularly if there's humour involved or extra pathos or whatever it is. But, um, I mean, Alec is is a is a strict headmistress. And, but, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it's, you know, everybody understood, I think, and, you know, that if we weren't totally accurate to it, it would very quickly become caricature, and that's... Mm. And that, then, then people laugh at you, and all, all kinds of evils will emerge from that, which would, which would compromise the, the, the very, very um, obvious purity of it, mm. in fact. Right. It, was very, it was very clear that that's what we had to do from the, from the first audition, and, and everybody got, got completely behind that. And also think, because they were the first actors that I worked with, um, well, for me, that would be doing it without the earphones. I think they felt a real sense of, you know, we, right. we want to nail it. We want to see if right. we can do it as you did it before with the earphones right. sort of thing. And they really, you know, they really respected that and, and went for it fantastically. Thank you. That's great. Uh, well, it's uh, your chance to, to pipe up. Um, so uh, if uh, anybody has a question, there's a question here. I'm going to repeat the questions in case people don't hear them. So, yes. Follows on actually from the last point that you just made, directed to all three, probably mainly to you as the director. Um, with that technique, what are your thoughts on the idea that live theatre, that the actors might find something different on a given night, or the audience might react differently to a line or a song, and therefore the intention behind the line becomes something different or looks between an actor? Mm -hmm. 
that's that's not is that not part of part of this plea? I've not seen it yet, so yeah. Is that, is that out? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the question, uh, just to, in yeah. case you didn't hear it, the question is, is whether the, the kind of precision that's required by this in some sense kills the spontaneity of live theatre. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, it yeah. does. Well, no, I don't think it's it does. Spontaneous in another way. Yeah, it's spontaneous mm. in another way. I don't think it does. Mm. I, I don't think it kills it at all. Mm. But I think, um, mm. but it's definitely out. Yeah. And, you know, and, and actually what, even with things like humour, where you think, yeah, all you've got to do is, you know, it's really obvious, just leave half a second pause before that and you'll get a bigger laugh. You just will. Mm. But actually the payoff mm. is, is really one of diminishing returns. And the, and the stricter the guys are, mm. uh, the, the, the purer and stronger the response is mm. in almost every area. Mm. And also not to really allow the audience to, if there is a laugh, to sort of come in quite quickly with, with the next line. So there's a sense of, which is, which is how it is on the tape, of course, because yeah. there wasn't 300 people laughing, so there's <laughs> not a big pause afterwards. So it sort of maintains that um, sort of authenticity, really. So it's almost like just press and play, and off it goes. Pretty much, well, yeah. No, but, but, well, that, that makes it sound like it, it, it's a DVD or something, and I, I don't think that is the experience of most audiences, because the actors are all in this cast are just amazing artists, and within that discipline, they've, they've found a way of still being amazing artists and bringing all their interpretive skills mm. to, to bear, and I think you do get a slightly different experience every night. Oh, okay. mm. it's still it still kind of has moments between, um, you know, the actors on stage and then the audience who is kind of like, if you like, a multiple alecky sort of thing. So there's a kind of... <laughs> there is a sort of like a game of tennis back and forth throughout yeah. the piece, so it's a, it's a live event, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all, well, 98% of it is direct address. So I think that that does mean that there's, a, there's an unpredictable uh, character in the room, i.e. you. And, uh, and, yeah, it changes quite a lot. Oh, great. There's a question uh, here in the middle. Given um, the experience you've had with this, would you go back the next time <laughs> to your earphones or not? Ooh, we don't know yet. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, I think it. I think for each piece, you have to kind of um, work out. Um, you know, the, the content sometimes suggests the form, and I think for this, that's definitely what has happened. Um, you know, because of the because of the music, because of the songs, which were going to be learnt, and over half. You know, about half of it is sung. Um, it, you know, I could sort of just about get my head around. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Yes, uh, maybe this is the one to try it with. Um, I mean, I think the actors are, are absolutely wonderful without the earphones. And, um, you know, I can't believe how much I've, you know, I enjoy it and I, I forget, you know, that they're not, that they're not listening. Um, but I think it just depends on, on the project. And I just, I can't really say until I know what it's going to be, if you know what I mean. But, I mean, it's just been a wonderful, it's been a wonderful discovery. And I'm very pleased that, you know, we've, we've got them off the earphones. It's, it's yeah, it's exciting. Right. Uh, there's a question up the back there. Yeah. Um, I was interested, um, when you've used verbatim before, have you, have you always used it sort of music or is it first music? And in, in which case, why did you choose to proceed with music rather than without? The question is about whether you've used music with mm. verbatim before, and if, if not, why music this time? Yeah, no, I haven't used any music um, with verbatim before, um, and I'm not big on musicals and I wanted to see if I could do make something with music that you know had the sort of verbatim authenticity if you like 
Um, and and this, this material just seemed to lend itself well to, you know, when I first met Adam, to, um, you know, a musical um, intervention, really. There's also a quite a simple answer to that, which is that we were brought together by the National Theatre Studio to do a week's experimental work on musical theatre. And Alecky being a verbatim playwright, we, it, that became experimenting with verbatim musical theatre. Um, and you know, that's not to say that the, what we've discovered in the process hasn't been amazing and valid, but that, that is the reason it happened in the first place. Thank you. Uh, question down the front. Um, Alecky, I've got two questions. Firstly, when you went out and interviewed people, you didn't know if you were going to turn into musical theatre, no. did you? No. So when you got their consent, mm. it was for what? And did you go back to say, actually, I'm going to turn this into musical theatre? The, the ones I could... Uh, just, sorry. Yeah, sure. uh, the, the question is actually the nature of the consent you got from the interviewees at the beginning of the process when you didn't know it was going to be a musical theatre yeah. piece. Yeah. Um, when I first went out, uh, I didn't know. It wasn't, it wasn't for any... There was no commission. There was no theatre involved. It was just me and a microphone and would you like to talk to me it might end up somewhere one day sort of thing so my consent is, was kind of quite uh general and you know I said I, I don't know where it might end up but is it okay to use your um any of your comments and those those interviews are much more sort of vox poppy if you like um and so um people aren't really um identifiable um and I I couldn't then go back and find them because they were people who I met on the street so it was difficult uh, in all cases to then go back to people and say, oh, by the way, I'm now working with Adam Cork <laughs> and we're doing this with it. Um, but I could, obviously, with the residents. Um, yeah, which, which I did. And that was... That was um, I mean, it's difficult to explain to anyone. Like you said when you re read in the brochure, you know, it, it, it sounds like a kind of strange idea. So it was, it was difficult to try and explain to them without them thinking, well, hang on, music, mm, because people think Mamma Mia, or, you know, they have certain ideas of the musical form. So I did try to sort of explain as best I could. But, of course, they still didn't know until they came last night to, to see it. But they all gave their consent. Yeah, abso yeah absolutely, yeah. And the second question is, you know, I'm, I find verbatim, you know, having worked in documentaries really interesting um, but isn't there a danger that you all think because you're holding so closely to the words and the rhythm that that much bigger elephant in the room which is the choice of what you include and what you don't include mm -hmm. which actually determines um, what truth is coming out of this mm -hmm. you're sort of pretending that that doesn't matter and actually that's the most important thing at the end of the day because you have so many interviews this is a, a, a huge question about, yes. <laughs> uh, about the, the, whether the, the kind of documentary character of verbatim is silent about some of the very important decisive editorial choices that have been made in order to construct the, mm. the kind of narrative mm. that you, mm. you've, you've got. I mean, it, when you see it, I mean, it is an obvious construction. Um, and I, did, I made, did so many interviews, especially once I you know, we found out we had a commission, you know, I sort of just re recorded everything and could have gone off in all sorts of areas. Um, and I just think that the people that I've sort of chosen to represent, I've tried to do it as, I've tried to represent them as, as, as fully as possible and haven't sort of chopped them down in a way that, um, you know, they're a sort of two-dimensional two um, character. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, I suppose yes. There is a there is an elephant in the room, and that yeah, there is ours that that isn't in the show. But um, I think I've just sort of followed the story that I thought was interesting, and that maybe wasn't being 
that wasn't that well told at the time. It was all about the girls and, and Steve Wright, and it wasn't necessarily about the community. Um, so I just hope that you know, we've managed to tell that story fully. It's also true to say, though, isn't it, that uh, unlike some verbatim work, you're, you're actually quite present in it. They address you, and that, of course, draws attention to the nature of interviewing and mm -hmm. makes you ask questions about what is mm. this transaction mm. and mm. so on, which I think, I mean, whether it's more honest than another documentary, documentary is fine, but um, it mm. does, it, it raises those questions. So the, there's mm. at least the, the trunk of the elephant is visible. <laughs> I get this metaphor That's is right. bad. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is that, is that something you were kind of deliberate about? Mm. Or it just so happens those are the bits of the tape you chose? Um, no, I like that. I like to do that. I like to remind the audience of the process. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully they feel that they're the person sitting in the room with these people. Um, and they sort of, you know, they, be they become, they have my experience. Mm. I think it becomes a more intimate, um, uh, yeah, more intimate thing then. So that's, yeah, deliberate. Okay. Um, this is going to, afraid, have to be the last question. Uh, you are the lucky man. Um, I'm a social worker and I've spent a lot of time kind of listening to, to people's agony and have a, a privileged position there. And I've often thought these stories would make a great play. Um, you've, you're dealing with kind of the community and, and you've sidestepped the actual agony of, of kind of people's families dying. Mm. Would you do that because that's easier? Because it was an easier, kind of more ethical thing with your own ethics or is it you was a deliberate choice to kind of, we're going to look um, it's, uh, the question mm. is actually just about the, the, the nature of the choices that you made mm. not to actually deal with the, I suppose, very, very difficult emotional agonies mm. of the families of, of people who died, but to work with the community. The question is, was that easier mm. or why did you mm. take that? Um, I mean, a, a few reasons, really. I mean, initially at the time, um, I sort of felt that they had, you know, more than enough media intrusion to sort of deal with. Um, and I also sort of know that the sort of the nature of my work, sometimes there can be humour within it because um, I'm sort of drawn to that. And I just felt that would be, you know, wrong to, to go down that avenue with it. It didn't really, it wasn't the right fit for me, really. Um, and um, I just found, a, you know, another, another world around it. Um, so, yes... Possibly it was the easier thing, but it felt, for me, the, the right thing um, to do, really. Yeah. Great. Thank you. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but can I just ask you to join me in, in thanking the, the panel for that? <laughs>